Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of the United States podcast. I'm Balaam Usitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we will focus on passages and destinations. In other episodes, we will talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And when we come across an interesting person, we'll try to get them as a guest on the show. Now, what makes this podcast a little bit unusual is that only one of us sails. And that would be me, Bela. I've been sailing for over 30 years, not across oceans, but on lakes and coastal cruising on the East Coast of the United States. And I, Mike, know very little about sailing. As a matter of fact, I don't know why some buoys are red and some are green, and I always confuse port and starboard, and honestly, I've never understood why there are no ropes on board, and somehow a sheet is actually a rope. So I'll ask most of the questions, and Bela will try to answer. You know, Mike, before we dive into this particular episode, uh, we need to say thank you to our supporters. We do this podcast because we enjoy making every episode just for you, our listeners. Several listeners have made a monthly financial contribution to support the podcast to help defray the cost of producing these episodes. And that's been really wonderful, and we thank them very much. We now have also uh, started a Patreon page. So supporting the podcast is even super easy. Just go to patreon.com forward slash sailing the east. And thanks again to you. And thanks again to all of our supporters uh, for their monthly contributions. Great. Bela, today, as I recall, we're going to talk about solo anchoring and mooring, part two of our kind of solo sailing series. Now, I know what anchoring is, but tell me again what mooring is. Yeah, so mooring is another way of anchoring your boat, but instead of using your anchor, uh, you use a mooring. So what a mooring is, is there's a big heavy weight on the bottom of the body of water, whether it's the lake or the bay or the harbor or wherever you're at. It could be a big concrete block. It just could be a big chunk of uh, metal, but there's something on the bottom that has a chain attached to one end of it. And that chain comes up to a ball. It's a floating ball. It's probably one to two feet in diameter. Uh, and uh, that ball uh, is attached to that big weight via this chain. And at the other end of the ball, uh, there's typically a, a mooring line on it, i.e. a rope <laughs> that you can then connect or tie on to your uh, boat, uh, to a cleat on the typically the bow of your boat, the front of your boat. And so this is a great way of sort of attaching your boat permanently, if you will, or semi-permanently, as long as the rope is attached uh, to the bottom. And unlike an anchor, one of your big worries when you're anchoring 
is that the anchor drags. In other words, the anchor does not have a good, strong connection to the bottom. And when the wind blows really hard, your boat's going to start dragging. Um, so these mooring balls are a great way of, of sort of um, spending a night or days, if you will, uh, on a mooring. And it's pretty secure. And I know, at least for me, when I anchor, I always have something I call anchor anxiety, <laughs> where I'm always worried that, you know, the anchor is going to drag. Uh, I think in all of my anchoring, I've only dragged once. Um, but still, I have anchoring anxiety. And when I'm on a mooring, I'm always very comfortable and I sleep well. So, yeah. Interesting. And these balls, they're usually white, aren't they? I mean, I've seen them in the water. Do they come in all different colors? Uh, they're typically white. Uh, and, and some of them are private. So there's private moorings and lots of municipalities have set up moorings in, in a bay. And, and one of the reasons for that is, is you can put a higher density of boats in a given space on moorings than you can anchoring. Okay. And they have number, I've seen them with numbers on them, right? So you say, yeah. oh, you have, you call in and you say, I want a mooring and they say, you've got 26. And yep. that's in the third row toward the shore, right? Yeah. So if I was going, if I was going to Newport, I'd call up the Newport Harbor Master and say, "Hey, I'm looking for a mooring for tonight. Uh, do you have any available?" He'll ask me how big my boat is, because uh, you have to remember that moorings, uh, you know, they have a chain on them, but the boat still swings as the wind and the tide changes. The boat swing, and unfortunately, not all boats swing the same. So when you set up a mooring field, you have to set it up in a way that one boat could be facing into the wind and the other boat next to it could be uh, facing opposite the wind. And you have to make sure they don't touch. So they need almost double the space. That's right. That's right. Uh, so because they don't all swing the same. So the, the harbor master will say, yeah, I got a mooring number 536. And, and usually these mooring fields are, there's a lot of them. And place like Newport and you know he'll say I'll, I'll come out in the skiff and I'll guide you to the right spot as opposed to me trying to I guess it's, it's unfortunately they're not set up like you know streets like a street grid pattern I mean they're in a grid pattern but I've never been able to totally figure one out so one of the one of the big advantages of moorings and 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 why municipalities and places like to do them is because you can you can have a higher density of moorings because you don't need as much swing room. When you anchor, typically when you anchor, the rule of thumb is you let out five to seven times the depth of the water of your chain. So your anchor chain, I have an anchor, that anchor is attached to some chain, and then that chain is attached to my boat. Uh, so if I'm anchoring in 10 feet of water, I would let out 50, at least 50 feet of chain, which means I'm swinging I got 50 feet of chain plus the 45 feet of my boat. Yeah, I'm almost a feet. almost a hundred foot diameter. I'm swinging around, so the boat that's next to me has you know has its hundred foot pattern. So we have to be like 200 feet away, that's center to way. center. Yeah. It's a long way. On moorings, you can pack them in a lot closer, and and that's the main advantage. Now the disadvantage is most of the times you can anchor for free. <laughs> mm -hmm. A mooring they're going to charge you for. Uh, sometimes it's, not, I mean, it, it could be 20 bucks. I, I've seen them for 20 bucks. I've seen them for 50 bucks. You go to New, Newport, it could be a hundred bucks. So it sort of all depends. Um, but 
so that's the difference between anchoring and mooring. And, and we're going to talk about both of them today. Okay. So the trade-offs are um, anchoring is free. Mooring has a cost. Anchoring, you need a lot more space. Mooring, you have a lot more density. And then anchoring, you have this kind of anchoring angst, right? Versus <laughs> yes. a little more security um, on a mooring ball. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Now, this to me seems like something that, at least from my limited sailing experience, it can be very stressful, um, even with multiple people working on this. How do you practice this stuff solo and work out the steps involved in doing this so that you have less stress and less likely to have a problem? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. So as with all new things that I try, and I always try, I'm always trying stuff on the boat, I, I always want to have other people there. And I, I will tell them, look, I'm, I'm going to try to anchor the boat myself, which means I'll be running back and forth, and, and we'll describe that in a second. But I'll tell the people that are here, what I want you to do is just stand by in this position. So if something doesn't go well, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Um, so, so I always do it when there's other people there, because when I first try stuff, it never goes <laughs> as planned, at least not for me it does. And the other thing is I always do these when I'm starting out under light wind condition. So when the wind is really howling, I mean, it's tough to do anything. So, you know, if the wind's blown at 20, 25 knots, it's hard to anchor if, if you have a really experienced crew, at least for me it is. So I like to do these things when the conditions are light, light wind, uh, there's not a lot of other boats around, so I'm not, you know, if the anchor doesn't hold or I don't get it down soon enough, I'm not going to drift into somebody else. Do it easy. Start easy. Don't make it difficult on, on yourself. Um, and then as, as you gain some confidence and you gain some experience, then you can start, you know, anchoring when it's a little more windy out or practicing anchoring solo when it's more windy out or practice anchoring when there's more boats around you. Um, so, yeah, that's that's sort of sort of how how I uh, I approach it. Like I do everything solo. Uh, to to get to the point of doing it solo, first I start with other people on the boat, and I start easy. So yeah, let's talk about anchoring first. Yeah. So remind me first about your anchor setup on Paradox. You told me once a while ago, and I don't remember honestly. Yeah. So the anchor is at the bow of the boat or the front of the boat. It sits in a little cradle. Uh, and it's got a roller on it. And um, I have uh, 100 feet of chain. And then to that chain, I have 200 feet of, of line or of anchor road. So I have a total of 300 feet that I can let out. And the, the reason you, you put out, because the anchor itself isn't that heavy. I think my anchor is like 40 pounds, but I'm not 100% sure. So it's not that heavy. So it's not relying on, on the weight to hold it to the bottom. The anchor is sort of shaped like a plow, like a farmer's plow. And the idea is that the chain is pulling on it horizontally or horizontal or parallel to the ground. And that's what makes it plow into the soil or the dirt or the sand. Uh, so which means your boat's at the top of the water, the anchor's on the bottom, you, you want to decrease the angle that you're pulling up, right? And if we remember from geometry, the longer line you have, the shallower the angle is or the more parallel you are pulling to the, to the ground. And the reason you use chain instead of all rope 
is you get the sag of the chain that helps to contribute because it's heavy to pulling it more horizontal to the to the ground and that's okay. how the anchor works and then to get the anchor up what you do is you 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 roll in your anchor chain and you come over to the top of the anchor and then now you're pulling it straight up on it so it comes right out of the ground okay. right so unlike so it's a mooring the hypotenuse. it's the that's right the the, the, you can the, think the of line it that way. is the hypotenuse of that's the triangle. right that's right unlike a mooring which a mooring is fundamentally permanently attached to the ground and it's 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 there, right? You can't pull it up with your boat. So uh, the anchor's on the front of the boat, and there are some boats, and I've thought about getting one of these, but it seems to be working out well without it, have what's called an anchor remote. So it's a little remote control that you can raise and lower your anchor with, and you can have that remote back at in the cockpit with you. I do not have that. I do have an anchor windlass, which is basically an electrically powered uh, pulley that'll pull the anchor up or let it out. And the switch for putting pulling the chain in or letting the chain out is up next to the anchor. So I have a, a button there that I can push to go up or down. Um, and and if I push it down, the anchor will deploy and you know it'll let let the chain out. Um, so as with everything I do solo, prep is really important and thinking things through. So as I'm thinking about anchoring, what I do is, uh, first of all, while I'm still in where I have a lot of space and there's no other boats around, I actually have what's called an anchor pin. There's a little pin that goes through the anchor so that it can't deploy accidentally, <laughs> right? So I have to go up to the bow. I got to pull that pin out <laughs> to sort of get it ready. And I open the cover to the anchor locker and make sure everything's okay. And I do that while I'm, you know, motoring at a few knots on autopilot so I can I can kind of do all that while I'm out still in the open water, make sure everything's set. Uh, and I position the anchor. Sometimes I have to let out maybe six or seven inches of chain to position the anchor on the anchor roller so that it will sort of make the turn and it'll fall down into the water. Because when it sits, it's it's sort of, it wants to sit there, it's, it's kind of snug. It doesn't want to, it doesn't want to kind of make the turn and fall over. So I sort of, do that first, get that set up. And then I sort of look at, okay, what direction is the wind blowing? Do I have any tidal currents that I need to worry about? I look at where are other boats? Where are obstacles? I look on the chart, you know, where is it too shallow? And I, I like to anchor in water that's 10 to 15 feet deep, right? Because like I said, I'm letting out five times <laughs> the, the length of my chain is going to be five times the depth of the water. So even at 10 feet, I'm letting out 50 feet. So it's a big swing I have. And how deep is your keel? Five feet. Okay, so, so I you draw give five yourself five to 10 extra feet. Right? That's right. And you have to account if there's a big tide, you have to be careful of that. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, I made that mistake once. <laughs> when, when we anchored at low tide and I said, oh, the water is only 10 feet deep. And there was like a 10 foot tidal tidal sweep swing there so at high tide it was 20 feet deep and that's the time we dragged <laughs> mm, bad. so yeah so that's a good point i'm Anchor glad you angst. brought that up yes so you have to take into account the depth of water and the tide and and you're anchoring you got to let out the chain for high tide um so then what i do is i sort of motor in once I know the wind direction, et cetera, I sort of circle around where I'm thinking of anchoring and I sort of double check the depth, make sure that all looks good. And then I 
face the boat into the wind. I idle it down as slow as I can, almost to a stop. Um, and I put the boat in neutral. And now I quickly walk forward to the boat <laughs> and I start lowering the chain or lowering the anchor. Uh, so I, what I've done on my anchor chain is I have marked it with paint every 20 feet. So I know how much chain I'm deploying. So if I'm in 10 feet of water, I'm gonna let out 50 feet of, of chain. So I can sort of watch the marks go by. And as the anchor goes to the bottom, what I want to do is, what I want to have happen is I want the, the boat to slowly trip, trip, drift backwards because I do not want the chain to sort of pile up on itself, right? I want the, the boat to be sort of drifting back. So sometimes once the anchor gets to the bottom, I got to run back and put the boat in neutral <laughs> uh, uh, so that the wind will, will drift it back. And if it doesn't, if it's not drifting, if there's no wind, then I put it in reverse and I go backwards a little bit and then I go back, put it back in neutral, go forward again, let out more chain, go, go to the cockpit again, put it in reverse. Uh, this is where an anchor I, remote would be really helpful, right? It would be, exactly. Yeah, so there are anchor remotes and there are also uh, chain counters, which will mm -hmm. tell tell you how much chain you have out. So, Which you would need if you're using the remote, otherwise you'd have no idea, you can't see the marks, right? That's right, that's right, that's right. Interesting. So it's so really I two don't pieces have of equipment you need to make this work. That's right, that's right. So after the desired length is out, Okay, then then what you want to do is you want to call do what's set the anchor, which means I'm I'm gonna put the boat in reverse and probably I usually typically go about half throttle. So I'm I'm pulling on the anchor chain pretty hard. And what I'm trying to do is get that plow to dig really into the into the dirt. And if I'm at half throttle in reverse and and the boat's not moving, I know I'm anchored pretty well. Because any wind wouldn't would be right would be less than that essentially. Uh, right? Hopefully any wind right. right. Hopefully any wind. Sort of a hurricane. I'm going to be right. out right is going to be less than that, right? And then I have what's called so if I'm just doing it for lunchtime, you know if I'm just we're just dropping the hook and we're not sleeping right. I'm just going to do it lunchtime. I'll probably just let out three times the depth of the water. That'll be fine because because you're right there. You're paying right attention. There. You can I'm jump paying, up exactly. and if you, something happens right. Exactly. But if we're if we're gonna spend the night, um, if there's gonna be any wind, I'm letting out seven times. Now, one of the challenges is if there's other boats around you, you don't know how much chain they let out, <laughs> right? So sometimes what I do in a in a crowded anchorage is I will take a one of my little fenders. I have I have some small fenders, floats, and I will tie a rope to my anchor of the appropriate length. So that that float floats nominally above my anchor, so it's sort uh -huh. of an indicator, not only not only for me to to know where my anchor is, right, but also for other boats to say, hey, that's where that guy's anchor is. So I now I have an idea of how much that person's going to swing. It's like when they put the little flag above where there's people diving, right? It's a little indicator. Yes, it's a little indicator. And this so, is not universal. This seems like everybody no. should do this, right? This seems like a no-brainer. No. no, you don't. You don't see that very often. Hmm. Uh, and you know, I've been in anchorages where you know it gets crowded, and you're. I'm. I'm like, not only have 
anxiety about my anchor dragging, but I have anxiety about all the other anchors dragging <laughs> and, and boats and hitting your banging boat. into each right. other. Yeah. So, um, and the math would be right. Essentially, if both boats are facing the same direction, right into the wind and that you wouldn't want that, you would want that boat to be farther away than where your anchor is. Right. Because right. then they would be out of your radius. Right. That's right. That's right. You don't want them to snag on your anchor. Or wait, right. or would you want them two times? Well, I I think one time is is probably okay because the boat's not going to snag your anchor. Okay. Right. It's yeah. what you're worried about is is they don't know where your anchor is. Right, and their prop picks it up and. Right. right. The wind is in the process of shifting, so right. they drop. Moving. Right. Exactly. So they drop their anchor with all good intentions, but they don't realize that it's actually over the top of your anchor chain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now you have a real mess. Yeah. It's tangled. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And if I am going to stay overnight, I have what's called an anchor snubber. So it's mm. a piece of nylon line um, that I, uh, it has a special hook on one end of it that I attach to the anchor chain. Uh, up near my the bow of my boat, and then it it's got a little bridle on it, and and it has two nylon lines that come out of it that I can put around each of the cleats that are on the front of my boat, and then I let out just a little bit more anchor chain. So the tension of holding the boat is now ah, spread on out. on is spread out is on this snubber, and it's nylon. And when the nice thing about nylon is it stretches, it's very right. So it builds a little shock absorbing into, into the whole system. Whereas normally the chain, you know, the chain doesn't have any stretch and, and all of the load on the chain is being taken on your, on your windlass, which is the electric motor that winds it up, which is not great for it. Right. Uh, and so it probably have, makes it quieter too. Wouldn't that bang around a lot? And yes. then if it's got yep. these nylon, yep. kind of the, it, the snubbers, then it makes it yep. quieter. So I, I just built this myself. I bought the hook. You can buy the hook. And I got some Ooh. nylon line and I rigged it up myself. And that works really well. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a nice snubber. Like you said, it makes it quieter. If there's any shock loads from waves or anything like that, it, it just quiets all of that down. So if I'm spending the night, I do that. If I'm just, again, if I'm on the hook for, the, for lunchtime, I go Wait, swimming or something like that. Yeah. I don't do any of that stuff. It's not worth, the, what is it, 10 yeah. minutes to set that up? Something right. like that? Yeah. So, all right. So, Bela, this is cool. A lot of running fore and aft, right? Back and forth. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. What about you're done, you're ready to leave. How do you get out? How do you, how do you, <laughs> how do you reverse the process? Yeah. Yeah. So this also can be a little challenging. Um, so what I do is I start the engine. Uh, and I look, again, look around with direction the wind's blowing. Most of the time when you're anchored, you're facing into the wind anyway. Uh, so. I, I go forward a little, I go forward a little bit and then I go, I put the, I put it into, sometimes what I try to do is I put it into reverse, excuse me, I put it in, I put the motor into forward idle. So I'm idling a little bit just to take pressure off the chain. It just, this also depends on how much wind there is. If there's no wind, Doesn't matter. then it's quite easy. If there's no wind or very light wind, I just go, I, I start the engine, but I go forward and I just start bringing the chain in. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to be pulling the boat with your anchor windlass forward to bring the chain in. So what I do Again, is I bring a little bit in, 
the weight of the chain will actually pull the bolt forward closer to the chain. I reel in another couple of feet of the chain. I let the boat crawl forward again, and it's just incremental process. And then you're uh, not stressing the. And I'm not stressing anything. Exactly. If the, if it's really windy out, then I'm I'm sort of running back and forth of putting the boat into forward, moving the boat forward a little bit, putting it back into neutral, running forward, bringing in the loose chain, right? And then you wind it. At the end. Then I'm winded up, right? Then I then the chain gets tight, and I and I don't want to put a lot of strain on the windlass. So I run back, put it into forward again, inch inch forward five or six feet, put it into neutral, run up, bring that chain up. Now the tricky part comes to um, when, oh, and remember, I know how much chain I have out because I've marked my chain in 20 foot increments. So, uh, you know, at 20 feet, I have, I painted one white stripe on the chain. At 40 feet, I have two white stripes. At 60 three. feet, I have three right, right? So I, I don't have to keep track in my head uh, of how many stripes have gone by. Uh, now, when I get close, and I can tell when I'm getting close because number one, I know how much chain I put out. I know how deep the water is. And the chain is gonna now start being vertical when it comes and off the front of the- you can see the angle, right? When that's you're right. Up front, right. When I'm up front, I can see the angle. And when I start, the angle, the angle's a, a pretty shallow angle and now it gets you know more more and more vertical so i know i'm getting close uh, here again if it's not windy this is no big deal um but if it's windy what happens is soon as that anchor gets detached the wind's going to start taking your boat and this is where if there's other boats around it can get it's a problem it's a problem okay uh so Here's you got to be a little quick. So what ends up, what I end up doing is I, I try to be as aware, aware, aware as I can of all the boats around me and obstacles and things. And soon as I, soon as that anchor releases, I can feel it and I can tell. But I keep bringing in as much anchor as I can. And as soon as I say, okay, now we're starting to drift too fast, then I go back to the helm, even if the anchor is still in the water to some extent. I go back to the helm, I put the boat in gear, and I start driving away very slowly because I don't want to go fast with the anchor kind of swinging in the water. And then when I can get the boat positioned sort of downwind and away from all objects, oftentimes then I will go forward and bring the rest of the anchor chain up. Again, if it's calm, this is easy. It's no problem. But if it's if it's blowing 15 to 20 knots, it gets really hairy. And and if I don't need to leave, and I know the wind's gonna die down in two hours, I will wait two hours. It's worth it. Yeah. It's right. It's because right. What? Because uh, there's whenever you anchor, you're re anchoring relatively close to shore. <laughs> and, and if the wind's blowing you towards the shore, that means it's getting shallower too. So you really got to be aware of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and this really gets into a lot of sort of risk analysis. We're sort of thinking about, okay, what are the things that can go wrong and what are the trigger points of, okay, I got to abort this because it's not, it's not going the right way, right? It's going to put the boat or myself into some pearl. Or somebody so, else at risk. Or somebody right? else, right? right? Or somebody else. So this is where thinking about it really and being aware, aware of your surroundings is really, really important. 
Yeah. And there's no air, like in the airplane analogy, right? If you've ever piloted or been in a small plane, right? You get grounded, right? The, the air traffic control won't let you go out if the conditions are too risky, right? But there right. is no such thing when you're in a sailboat, right? You have to right. decide on your own when the conditions are too safe to essentially take off, right? From the, right. Uh, from, from your landing. Bay. And I, sure. again, this is probably one of those things in speaking about solo versus non-solo sailing. This is way easier when you've got one person out on the bow and one person, right? Manning, That's right. With two people, controls. this is a piece of cake. All right. With two people, this is a piece of cake. I'm glad you brought up the airplane analogy. And here's why. Because in flying an airplane, there's this concept that they teach pilots about being ahead of your airplane. In other words, you're always thinking about what's going to happen and as opposed to what is happening at the so you're out ahead of your airplane. This is very true like when you're landing or you're taking off. You you don't want your airplane to catch up to you sort of your thinking because then all of a sudden you 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 have to you have to work really fast, right? And and that's when you make mistakes. So you want always want to be ahead of your airplane. Maybe I didn't explain that really well, but it's an interesting concept, and I think that concept applies to sailing as well. Yeah. You want to be ahead of the boat. Your 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 mental framework, the things you're thinking about, are the things that are going to be happening or what could happen if this if you if this doesn't go well, as opposed to just being in the moment. Right. It's strategic about, thinking. It's being it's having right. a strategy for the different scenarios that might happen. And <laughs> right. this is again, it's managing a business too, just like flying a plane. Yeah, I gotta I gotta get the everything shipped out and made built and shipped today but i also have to be aware oh what's going to happen at the end of this month at the end of next month and make those decisions right now should i stay or should i go with the boat right how much line should i let out because what could happen tonight right. tomorrow morning so on and so forth right, right. a little more strategic right so you have to be you have to be in the moment as well but also you have to be out ahead of your boat or as the pilots say have to be ahead of the airplane yeah the, Interesting. Now, I, okay, I'm going to guess that mooring is even more complicated. How does that work? Versus well, the, the, yeah, the thing that makes mooring more complicated is the boats are typically closer together. You have less space. And more stress. So, yeah, so that's the part that makes that challenging. Uh, and as we were talking earlier, you're usually assigned a mooring. You don't get to pick one out. So what I often do is when I call the harbor master, uh, is, you know, I say, hey, you know, I, you have a mooring and I'll tell them I'm coming in solo. So can you can you give me one that's sort of not in the middle of the crowd? Can you give me one that's sort of on the edge or maybe in a, a part of the mooring mooring field that's not crowded yet, if that's possible? So I make them aware that I'm coming in solo. And then that also makes them aware that, hey, I'm going to hang around in case this guy needs help. <laughs> right. Um, so again, make it make it easy on yourself, right? This is this is there's no reason to make it more difficult than it is. But here again, so that's one piece of prep, and that prep is important, making them aware and asking for for something that's maybe not as crowded. Um, so what I do is I have a a line that I attach to my starboard. Starboard is the right side of the boat bow cleat. So this is a long line. And then that line goes around the bow and comes all the way back on the port side to my, my winch, uh, my winch for the uh, jib. So it's a nice long line. Uh, 
And so now I have a line that runs, you know, basically from the front of the boat to the back of the boat. And I have a boat hook, which is a stick with a little hook on the end of it. That's good for picking up lines or other things uh, or, and, and pushing, pushing away other boats if you're getting too close. Uh, and most moorings <clears throat> have a line attached to them. <clears throat> for for securing your boat to the mooring, it's and and that line is I don't know maybe ten feet long. Some of them and they have typically have a, a little small float at the end of that line, so the line doesn't sink down, right? So, so what I do is, uh, and there's a loop tied at the end of that line for attaching to the cleat on your boat. That's sort of how you attach the the mooring to your boat. So what I do is again I I sort of uh, figure out, once I know which mooring I'm going into, I want to position myself downwind. I want to approach the mooring slowly. And what I want to do is I want to have the mooring on the port side of my boat. So I want it on the left side of my boat because that's where my throttle control is. That's where I have this line that runs from the bow all the way down the port side. So I want to kind of approach the mooring. I want to I want to bring it alongside of me, back where I am, at the helm. And when I have it alongside, and here again, you have to be careful with the wind direction because I don't want the wind to blow the boat over top of the mooring. I want the wind to blow me away from the mooring, right? So this is why wind direction and and tide is important. I I come up alongside of it. And now with the boat hook, I can grab that mooring pendant. I can pick it up quickly and attach it to this line that's wrapped around my winch. So I can unwrap it from the winch, loop it through, take my line, put it through the loop at the end of the, the mooring line, wrap it back around the winch. And now my boat is attached to the mooring. And the boat, I can now put in reverse if need be. And the, the this mooring line, that I picked up will slide along that rope along the side of the boat all the way up to the bow. Right? Because I've just put the boat in reverse if needed, or I let the wind take me and it'll push the boat backwards. And this, this line has a loop in it, right? So a, the mooring line has a loop, and my line that goes from the bow of my boat back to the stern goes through that loop. But it's free to slide. It's not tied, it just slides. So I can. I can put the boat in reverse and the boat will slide back. And now the mooring line is at the bow of the boat, which is where I want it. Right where you want it. <laughs> right. Ingenious. Right? So, so now I can take, uh, I have a, 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 a bridle, just like I talked about the anchor snubber. I have mm -hmm. a similar concept for the mooring. So I have a bridle that I can loop through the uh, mooring uh, line and the loop in the end of the mooring. And I can attach that to my two cleats. And so now I'm nice and secure and it's centered and right where I want it. I still right. leave my other line attached. It's not, Why doesn't not? have any tension on it, but it's just there. Cause I'm going to use it when I leave. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. So, um, and now I'm secure. Right. And, and that works and that works very, very well for me. And to me here, the, the trick was thinking about, okay, I, I can't run forward because the mooring field is almost always too crowded. I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I tried that a couple times with other right. people. I can't, I can't right. leave the helm. So I have to be able to figure out a way of picking up the mooring line at, while I'm at the helm.
and this worked for me. And then once I picked it up, I tried a couple times just holding it, but I, I couldn't hold on to it. <laughs> so I said, okay, it slide. Right. I, I got to have a line attach it to, and then just let it slide along that line. It's like a dog run, right? It's yep. the same concept of a, of, of, a, of a, a run you have for your dog, that the line can just slide right along it. Then once it's up front, then I can attach my, my mooring uh, lines to it. Uh, my more so that works really well that works really really well uh yeah cool it's a lot of steps it is and and again like i said to me the key is the prep asking for a mooring that's not in the center of the mooring field if possible uh and asking for one that you know the wind is going to blow you away from the mooring field and most most harbor masters are very knowledgeable right they know what they're doing and if you tell them you're coming in solo, et cetera, they know what that means. Uh, Your interests and, are uh, generally aligned there because I think they also want to reduce risk, right? They don't like to have accidents or close calls or anything. In exactly. The, right? In the marina exactly. or, the, or the, the mooring. Yep. So. And now when I go to leave, it's just to reverse the process, right? Mm, I, that was my I, next question. I take off my, I take off my, my mooring bridle, I'm, but it, my, my long line is still attached. Mm-hmm. And I put the boat in forward. And now I let the, the boat go forward again, being careful not to drift over the mooring ball. Uh, and until that mooring line comes back to where I am at the helm, and then I can unravel it off the cleat, let run it, it through the pendant loop, mm-hmm. and I'm free. And I'm at the helm. Nice. No, very little risk of a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That has, that has worked control. for me. That has worked for me very well. But I would imagine you, like, you don't read this in a book, right? You had to figure it out for your boat and your configuration, right? How long did it take you to figure this out, Bela? Well, this is one of those two-year things, right? And, you know, I'm not doing this every time I go sailing, but, you know, I, it's, I, I think about it. I watched a lot of YouTube videos. There's a lot of YouTube videos about mooring and anchoring, but not many of them are about how to do it solo. And, again, it's a particular boat. Right. What makes this work for me is, is the configuration of my boat, where my cleats are. I have a dual helm, which means I have two wheels. I have two steering wheels on the boat. And, and the one on the port side is the one where the throttle is. So that's the one I like to do stuff at because the throttle's right there. I have the throttle Super and a wheel. Yep. Right. If, if my boat just had one wheel in the center of the cockpit, then I'd be, you know, five, six feet away from the mooring ball. But I, I can harder. see that's right. even harder. Right. Since I have this wheel on the port side, I can see the mooring ball as it comes along the edge of the boat. I have great visual, uh, uh, great visual clarity to where the mooring ball is. I'm not guessing to where it is. So again, it's how the boat's configured. I'm taking advantage of that. And it's, it's worked, it's worked well. So this is not one solution fits everybody. The, 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 the moral of the story here is, is think through what works best for your boat. Think strategically one or two steps ahead develop a plan, practice it in calm conditions with somebody else, and you can develop your solo mooring kind of routine. Yeah, that's a good summary, right? Because if I got a new boat, I I mean, I have the concepts now, but I have to adapt those concepts to the configuration of my boat. Right. It's a basic process, but that process needs to be customized based on the situation. That's right. That's right. Interesting. Great. Well, thanks for sharing this, Bela. What do you think? Time to wrap it up? Yeah, I think we should uh, wrap this one up. 
All right, listeners, thanks once again for joining us for another episode and the second of our three-part series on solo sailing. We hope you found this interesting and thought-provoking. And as always, if you have questions about what we've discussed, please feel free to get in touch with us. Our email is sailingtheeast, that's all one word, at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, hit that follow button on your podcasting application. And if you know of someone that would make a good guest on the show, let us know. Uh, We hope to see you out there. So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you soon. Sounds great, Bailout, from over here in Münster, Germany, where it's starting to get dark early and it's starting to get colder. See you next time.